On the news Monday, we saw the July 4th of Parade shooting in Highland Park. And that killed seven people and injured about 20. Um, CNN says two dozen uh, or more than two dozen. And this was allegedly done by Robert Cremo III, or, yeah, the third. Um, now, when I say allegedly, at this point in time, he has um, he's admitted to it. He said you're that he pre-planned about, you're it. talking about the parade in Chicago? Uh, no, Highland, yeah, Highland Park, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, he, he climbed up onto a building overlooking a parade. Uh, had two rifles with him, uh, apparently one in the car and one with him on the roof, and he opened fire, and he basically rained down terror on the parade. There were cops in the parade. Uh, they responded fast. Like, they, they turned around, and they basically surrounded the building quickly. Um, but he also dressed in uh, women's clothing and disguised himself and left the gun on the roof and got to a car. So, like, he planned this out, and he was hours away from the crime scene before they caught him. In fact, uh, he had taken his mother's car, and from what, from what he has said, so like when I say allegedly he did this, he admitted to it already and told a prosecutor that he had stopped in another city nearby and was planning to shoot at that parade too, that he had a second rifle in the car and, you know, I think it was like more than 60 rounds, and he was ready to do it again. And he just sort of considered not doing it. This reminds me straight out way of um, the tragedy that happened in Las Vegas, the casino shooting. Right. I remember that. Yeah. A very well-to-do gentleman um, planned for probably years. Got, you know, a National Guard armory of weaponry. It's just so friggin' disgusting to me, Joe, when I hear things like this. You know, I served in the in the Army, and I... And I think if you want to go war, go to fight somebody, why would you go to a place where there's kids enjoying? <laughs> it's just so, I don't know, it's below evil. Right. And then it's, you know, we get callous, we hear these numbers and this, and if it's not a big number, we, we don't pay attention. But I'm just thinking, I like to hear the bio of each of these people, and I just think they went out for this and it's it's just it's disgusting how do you feel about it just the the actual act well i the the act obviously is i'm going to put this in a strange way i'm going to put this in the context of disillusioned youth i feel upset and outraged and disgusted both at our politics and at the act itself um I think the the way I think about it is whenever we see a shooting like this, we go from uh, showing the families and the victims on the TV and we have a couple days of obsession where we want to see who did it. Like they splash the picture of the person who did the murder and it's it, it raises the back of your hair on your neck. Like it, it makes you sick to see it. And then we kind of go numb and go to the next one and... When I say next you know, one, I mean, like, there were literally, like, there were dozens of shootings that day. It wasn't just this kid. It was, I, I saw a map online where four or more people were shot, which, um, by definition, that's a mass shooting, where the it was not a gang-related incident, just somebody had a gun, and they decided to take it out on everybody else. And the map of the U.S. where this happened that same day 
there was like almost a dozen in different states. And and that you made a good point there, Joe, about it happens and we move on to the next one. I, I think back to all the things that have happened and um I, I always think about I heard, I heard this years ago where they were protesting the Gulf War in this country. And then uh, there was an old Vietnam vet that I was friends with. He was a local business owner. And he said, Todd, these same people were protesting. They were shutting down the highways in Portland, which during rush hour, by protesting the war. Protesters were walking through the streets, stopping traffic, which gets everybody's attention, right? <laughs> right. And he said, these same people who are protesting the war will be supporting it tomorrow. And I thought, huh. And then with this happening, you know, the Ukraine has just gone on this thing. It was a huge news. We did a show about it. It was it was a big deal. This country's being gobbled up by a bigger country. It's horrible. Innocent people are dying, women, children, families. And then we, we just forget about it, right? We just move on to the next one until the next then there's a school shooting, then there's this parade shooting. It's like, God, it's just it, it it's just horrible. You know, and our lives go on, right? But these people whose families murdered and <laughs> destroyed, they never, ever, ever heal or get any kind of justice. There is no justice for such senseless crime. You didn't do anything to these fucking people. They have right. no, these people didn't do. You didn't do a thing to them. They didn't. They didn't rub you the wrong way. So what I don't understand is if you're at Starbucks, right, and you're a week planned away from getting this dress, getting this weaponry. How can you look at the people in the eyes and think, oh, I'm just going to go slaughter some friggin' people, like, not even like animals, like, bu- I don't know what you call like insects, I guess. Right. That is shockingly close to the truth um, of the matter, like, like how they're thinking. Um, and that's kind of what I want to ask today is, how would you feel if we got sort of into the mind of these kids who are doing this every day? And when I say every day, there have been 300 mass shootings this year. And there have been less than 300 days this year. So, like, we're only in July, and there's been 300 or more. So, like, do you want to talk about what is going on in the minds of people who are doing this? Because it's a big enough movement to where we can have a new shooter every day. And the argument about gun control, it might solve the issue if it was enacted. We don't know that. I mean, like, we can speculate based on what other countries do. We can argue about mental health. That would probably solve it if we devoted a lot of money to mental health, but our country doesn't seem to want to devote any money to health coverage whatsoever. So I was wondering if you'd like to just kind of breeze past those uh, potential solutions that seem to be a never-ending argument, especially with well-funded lobbyists in the way. And do you want to get right to what is going through their minds? Like what I would, and this has been heavy on my heart up? this week, Joe, even pre-planning for this show, that it was just something I was thinking about. And it's not on this scale, but I thought about people I've known in my life who I've worked with or gone to school with. If there's people I've been not pleasant with who I didn't like, who I who I thought were weirdos, I didn't like their personality, so I was kind of nasty or, or short with them. And I'm thinking, well, did those people, did that bullying manifest itself in their life to hurt other people? And then okay. what is my, you know how much of that is on me you know and i was thinking about that i'm thinking well you don't know right and yes they might not go shoot up a school but they might be mean to their spouse mean to their brother or sister you know as an outlet of not understanding that i'm treating them a certain way and i thought oh my goodness because you don't know right unless someone confronts right. you on it well let's actually you you touched on uh one of the magic words um after the columbine shooting there was a lot of people who talked about how the two Columbine shooters were bullied and that's why they did it. It was a retribution killing. 
and lost in the news and especially in the um the profiles and the the um interviews they did afterward they found out that the the shooters weren't bullied that much like they were you know matrix lovers and video gamers and they were into heavy metal and stuff but they weren't being shoved into lockers a lot of the kids that came out talked about how they were the bullies and don't we spin that narrative though don't we all feel like we're bullied at some point of our life but if we had you know and i moved around schools all growing up but it was hard you know it's difficult making new friends and stuff but some kids if you have a group of friends to talk with they might not be the most popular kids in the school (laughs) but if you have a group of kids to eat lunch with and you have people to do things with how bullied are you really and usually bullying comes from what? It's not from the the, the 80s movies. It's usually in your own <laughs> your own sect, right? Your own people. Some at home. Right. Actually, um, do you mind if I bore you with some statistics about bullying and kind of put this into context? You always do, Joe, and I appreciate that about you. <laughs> so one of the studies uh, – actually, I'm trying to pull up um, where I got it from real quick. Um, it was it was UC Davis. Um, so there was this awesome study that blew my mind about bullying. And it, it really, I mean, like immediately I thought of school shootings. Uh, it was a UC Davis study that showed that bullying doesn't happen out of the blue. It's not usually like the jock beating up on the karate kid. There's not like, you know, the, the football star with the cheerleader girlfriend picks on the chess club champion and like stuffs him in a locker. You're right when you say that it happens between peers, that two people in chess club have friction between each other. And most often, according to the study, bullying takes place when one person tries to rise above their social class and everybody around them doesn't think they deserve it, especially the bully who's about to do it. Like, it's it's somebody in your peer group thinks they're as cool as the cool table and they try to go hang out with them or they start acting and speaking like they're better than you. And, you know, deep down, they are a chess nerd like you. And so you, you <laughs> take them down a peg. What's been your experience? How You've been bullied in your life, Joe. Oh, absolutely. How is how has that manifested itself in not stand? Well, let's say not stand up for yourself, but with your other relationships at your home relationships with the other friends with your self-esteem, how has it made you feel? Where has it taken you emotionally? Originally, uh, like in early school, I thought I was being bullied strictly because of like my appearance. I was fat when I was younger, still am, but like I was overweight without any shape or frame. So like I was pretty relentlessly bullied. But as I've grown up, especially looking back at like middle school and high school, I realized almost everyone who bullied me was a friend like like or had been a friend at some point in fact i was able to sort of look back at an incident and realize that yes i have definitely been the bully at some point even though i viewed myself as you know a, a victim of of being overweight at the time and it 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 was almost like kind of crushing and hard for me to look at like my mind wanted to shy away from the fact that i had done it myself so i've i've seen like after reading the study i'd look back and i'm like oh i've i've seen that happen and you've you've mentioned that I mean, like you were bullied a bit, weren't you? I always say, you know, you've probably heard me say this a hundred times. It's not strangers that hurt us, <laughs> you know. Protect your protect your kids from strangers. It's really not any kid that's molested or anything. It's usually aunt, uncle, boy scout leader, teacher. It's it, it's or parent. Yeah. And 
and from what you're saying, the research and what you've seen, and, and from my thing, it was people who are close to me. And let's face it, we're so much more sensitive to people who we love. When people who love us tell us something, it, it stabs you right through the heart, Joe. It's different. Right. But the, um, okay, so I, I've been casually taking uh, lectures and like absorbing information from the National Institute of Justice. And when you bully somebody else, like, like when we, when we look at these shooters and everybody's like, oh, they got bullied, you know, um, they, they, that's probably why they went out and got retribution or they got bullied so much they became an outcast and being an outcast and being lonely and, you know, uh, not having anything better to do, they got a gun. That's not the case. According to the National Institute of Justice, it's actually the bullies who do this, like the, the people who are more likely to be social recluses in the first place, who choose to harm others and show a callousness socially to other people. Um, it's really like the, the folks who already kind of have that extreme nature. Like you, you mentioned like like kind of, I don't know, the, you mentioned something about cruelty, like you can't imagine somebody being like that. And you, you said that you've looked back into your past at the people that you've known who have been off or, or who, who have seemed strange to you. Like you've have you ever met somebody where like you could see them doing something like this? Oh, yeah. We're, it, it's, it's you know, I watch a lot of murder documentaries and I bore you about it. But there's certain people that I've met through my through my life and, and you have to meet them in person. It, it isn't about what they did or the rap. You just really get, you know. You get the creeps when you meet them, and it has nothing to do with their appearance, like you know, like it is in the movies. There's just something about them where where you you shake their hand or you see them. I had this experience. Um, bullies come in all different shapes and sizes, and and I, I know everybody's imagining that middle school bully, that kind of husky kid who's takes your lunch money, but that's not where they. I had a bully. We had a property. Um, at a uh, construction company up in Seattle, and we worked the business kind of out of my home and. One of our neighbors is a rural area, even for Seattle. It was kind of out a little bit deeper. And and uh, he came over, and he was always complaining about the noise and this and that. And he he was just kind of a, you know, just normal guy. But I, one time I saw him talking to my stepkids, and my absolutely, just a shiver came over me that I swear must have been a hint from God. Something was wrong. Well, come to find out a few years later, he caused him a lot of heartache by calling the authorities on me for stupid stuff. But it turned out he was molesting multiple kids in the area. Holy so shit. So my, my, yeah, I, yeah. And, and he was going away to prison. And I remember thinking of all the person to be calling the authorities on me when he's molesting yeah. cousins, you know, his nephews, his, his nieces, and, and doing it right there. And then when he talked to my kids... It, I yelled at scream. I followed him. He threatened to shoot me, all this stuff. But when he talked to my, I saw him talking to my kids, I just freaked out and started screaming and I chased him. But again, it's, it's, yeah, that, that, it's just Satan. It's just evil, you know, picking on the vulnerable. You start picking on kids and pets, kids, pets, and old people. Yeah. And that's, that's what a lot of these people at Highland Park were. I mean, like a lot of the victims this week were, were elderly. Uh, they were, you know, 80. Um, you I can, think of that. I, I think of the one, the other one, another one, and not to bring up because you know we live here in America. We could do this all day long, Joe. We could talk about right. the Boston Marathon, <laughs> yeah. right? We could talk about the right. ones in Florida. The one that really stood out to me was the 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 gentleman who uh, the young guy. He was in his early twenties. 
it was a community college in Southern California, and he was shooting men and women because he was jealous that no women liked him, that they only liked the knuckle-dragging, muscular. They didn't like... He he was just so starved from attention from women that that drove him to start... Do you remember that one? I absolutely do. Um, he, he referred to them in his manifesto. He didn't refer to them as people. He referred to them as Chads and Stacys. Uh, right. He was calling them Chads because they were jocks and Stacys because they were, you know, pretty girls. And, like, that's that was a dehumanizing way to, to look at them. Um Okay, so actually, this neatly brings us kind of full circle, because I, I want to tell you two interesting facts, and then we sort of dive into what makes these people without empathy tick in the first place. Like, it's not just being a sociopath. It is kind of darker, and I want to take us down that road if you're willing to gird yourself and get in some ice water with me. You're getting me um, upset. Yes. I'm getting very <laughs> <laughs> I, I can hear you getting fired up. I'm always kind of um, pissed off, but this is like, yeah. So my, my, my first big uh, fact to drop on you came from the Washington Post. Um, did you know that well, you mentioned this young kid and the shooter this week was a young kid. And the one who shot up the um, supermarket last week was a younger guy. Um, did you know that two thirds of all mass shooters are under 18? Two thirds? So of those 300 we've had this year, about 200 or more were under 18. That's shocking. It's an insane, like it is a creepy, insane number. Like you, I think, I think of that 40-year-old middle-aged white guy balding. Like I guess I'm describing myself, <laughs> who who is unhappy at U, UPS or you 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 know the post office, right? Yeah, we think of the guy climbing. Oh, he's, into the he's kids always so quiet and polite. I would think that would be the majority. And kids, kids who are come on, kids are happy, right? That's <laughs> you haven't been beat down by life yet. You don't have any reason to want to kill a bunch of people, right, Joe? Well, you would think, um, but that that beaten down mentality is actually what's kind of spawning this as a movement. And I I use the word movement very tactfully in this case because like you would think that as a young teenager that you would you would be like well what's the the worst that's happened you can't be that bad right um but the the un, if two-thirds of all shooters are under 18 and darn near the rest of them land between that 18 to 21 bracket like that guy who shot up the supermarket it's it is indicating to me and to the professionals at the institute of justice that this is an epidemic of the youth this is I mean, like, we, we hear in the news every time this happens, gun control, which I agree with in certain measures, and we talk about mental health, which, again, I agree with in certain measures, but what we don't hear people talking about is that it is so young that it is almost always done by somebody who is under 21. And now I think we're kind of getting some talk about that when they mention banning certain weapons for people under a certain age, like no assault rifles under 21 or whatever, but frankly i think we should be addressing uh something called doomer culture have you ever heard of the term doomer doomer first let me unpack this for a second yeah yeah um, well, i just went through a lot there so we can we can take a moment yeah okay it's all kids now i i've always felt that there's a certain responsibility on the parents and i brought this up to some of my guy friends who are very close with their kids and communicate with their kids and They've all kind of echoed the same thing. You know, there's there's signs, you know, there's always signs after the fact, right? 
But yeah. I've always felt that the parents have some responsibility to see that the kids are going off. And, and, and all my male friends have said, you, you don't want to believe your kid would be capable of anything even close to that. You just, you love them so much you don't. But from my, my parental kid whisperer mother, who's probably one of the best people I've ever seen with kids, who's been, she's teached Sunday school for 43 years. She's been a school teacher and tutor for 50 years. I mean, she says the parents know. The parents know yeah. that their kids are on the edge. So where is the responsibility in that? Well, okay, so this um, this current case, the 4th of July shooter, the parents knew, not only did they know, but, like, he had been reported. He had been reported by people around the town, like they, the see something, say something policy. Neighbors had reported him. He had um, been contacted by the police because he threatened to kill himself once. Um, so like the parents knew, like, like you, you can't see that kid's tattoos and not know, like, like he, everyone knew it wasn't just the parents and there is absolutely responsibility on the parents' parts, but I don't know where that starts and stops. Like, like a parent can only reasonably expected to, I mean, like, what are they gonna do? Lock up their kid? Are they gonna like, no, well, that's a good him point. Forever? You can't, you have to actually do something to get in trouble. You can't just, <laughs> you know. I, they, yeah. The police can't come and arrest me because I'm thinking about or I'm acting weird. You know, it's, it's just, I, I get that. I think you just want to blame and you want it to stop and you want it to not be, you know, I don't know. Right. I I would like to think that it's so if, – if it was so rare, I would say it's the parents. If it wasn't uh, a new one a day, a, a, a new shooter a day is a movement. Like, I again, I use that term. If it was once every three weeks or like once every you know eight months or whatever, I would say that there are some parents out there that have some explaining to do. But because it is so many and it is so often and it covers so many people, that's not, you know, 300 very, very bad parents who did everything wrong. Like we know this kid had a community around him who knew what he was capable of. So, um, no, I, I, I don't I say the parents missed some things while they were raising him and maybe they could have spanked him less or more or or did a different type of punishment or committed him when he was younger to get better help but to where like we don't have mental health in this country you have to be affluent just to see a psychologist you really do i i yes. you and i taught have both seen therapists now and you have to yeah I'm, a child yeah. psychologist, to even get in front of one, you need a parent that doesn't work 50, 60 hours a week just to even have the time to schedule the appointments. Right. And, not, and we're not even talking about the funds and the time to take them and then even to be even able to pay that much attention. It's 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 definitely the upper 10, 2%, right? Right. And the the adults who are looking at the news saying, why didn't these parents take their kids to see a psychologist? Those same parents who are you know pointing the finger they themselves their health coverage doesn't cover psychology like like oftentimes the people who are saying the parents should have done more they don't have a resource they would have been able to turn to either unless they make x amount of money and have free time to do it so no i'm actually um so the reason why um doomer culture comes up is because uh one of the news reports early on when his social media was still out there before it got scraped off the internet by law enforcement, somebody mentioned that um, he was heavily involved in something called Doomer culture. And I don't think he's the only one. I think if you look through these shooter profiles, all of them are. Um, so if 
this is going to start with a couple of questions about like your uh, consider this a, a trivia test about how much you know about the scum pits of the internet um todd have you heard of 4chan no okay um 4chan was invented back in 2003 by a guy who was just making sort of an image board and what he wanted was a it was like a it was it's like a blog or a forum where you post pictures instead of lengthy journal talks or questions and when you post a picture it's got a timer on it that the, the, the board can only handle so many images at once so the ones at the bottom the ones that have been around longer they get deleted at the end and the board moves fast like uh, you can post something and within an hour once it reaches the bottom it, it goes away like once it gets buried under other people's posts it, it disappears forever um, and the people posting there were anonymous. They didn't have to type in a name. It, it didn't show where they were from address-wise. So a lot of anonymous people posting anonymous content whenever they wanted led to this becoming um, a huge board. I can't overstate how large 4chan is or how much um, sway it's had politically. So does this get, does this get, let me, let me intervene. Does it get like shocking? So, so then if there is no, who's saying it, there's no kickback. You could just be as vile and as, you know, disgusting as possible. Does that kind of snowball? That's exactly right. Um, uh, early on, like, like between the aughts and like the, the tens of, of two thousands, um, th there were quite a few years there where it was larger than Reddit or at least, um, had more traffic than Reddit. And there were times where um, hackers, the, the, the group Anonymous, who wear the Guy Fox masks that show up in the news once in a while, they started on 4chan. And um, a lot of the Donald Trump um, meme makers start on 4chan. And there have been groups and there have been um, murderers who literally will go post on 4chan first and say they're going to do this crime and then they go do it. Uh, it just so happens that this 4th of July shooter was on 4chan and he was on Discord's. And he participated in forums and a lot of these sort of doomer culture. And 4chan has invented a lot of weird terms that have circulated through the internet and culture. Um, at, at any given moment, um, you can go onto 4chan and like they now get deleted fast. And 4chan is watched by the FBI. Literally, they make jokes about it on the boards. They will say, you know, like, hello, FBI, whenever they're about to post something very, very racially uh, motivated or hate crimey or you know talk about and they they tease it they they a lot of the people posting this kind of insane stuff they know what the boundaries are legally for their state and they will post about it in the forums in 4chan what those boundaries are they'll be like hey you can post x you know you, you can state you're about yeah. to do a horrendous crime and as long as you don't show certain things or say certain things the fbi can't move on it they won't come get you so, two things, Joe. Two things. Yeah. Okay, first of all, my street smarts have always told me, and I've said this multiple times, you never have to worry about the guy yelling, screaming, telling he's going to kill you. You really don't. It's the person that doesn't say anything. Yes. And I also, I need to ask you this. Have you ever wanted to kill somebody who's wronged you? I, I think I have wanted to do violence toward people who have wronged me. I don't think I've ever gotten to the point where I wanted to murder anyone. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm in the same boat. I'm trying to think through all you know the, my anger problems I've had. I've wanted to make them feel the pain and make them understand or cower to me or whatever it is. I don't know if it's a control or what, but not. Right. 
I certainly, but it's always been aimed at somebody who, a boss, an ex, uh, you know, <laughs> someone who's right. harmed me directly, not the general public, not <laughs> a little old lady or a six-year-old, you know, kid off. Right. And I'm well, not saying is... I, and and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else. I did have a murder on my mind or hurt in my mind. I'm just trying to to comprehend how how you make that other connection, right? You can see someone yeah. who killed, like with spouse things. I can see, you know, they they're under stress and they they see them as ruining their lives and they're losing them. When they kill their kids, I don't get it, right? I, I don't get it. You know, right? I try to make some kind of a logical sense of taking another life, and and I, and I can't. Well, that's that's where we get into sort of this normalization on 4chan. It, it, it normalization in any terms. Like if you take any social group, we're gonna we're gonna veer away from killing and horrendous acts for a second, um, and just talk about something goofy and fun for a little bit of a palate cleanser and to put things into context. It'd be nice. I once, yeah, <laughs> it'd be nice for once in a while. Um, I went to a, a forum once. It was very innocent and funny. It was a group of people that chewed ice. And they were addicted to chewing ice. And, like, <laughs> they their, their dentist told them to stop because they were ruining the enamel on their teeth. And they had cracked their teeth by doing it. It's the people in the theater who will, like, knock back a Sprite or, or something. And then, like, you hear them crunching later and you're like, God, will this person stop? They do it all the time. Like, this is they, – they got together in a forum. And there are ice chewer forums, I, I kid you not, where they, like – collaborate and talk about how other people don't understand them and that you know dentists are just being jerks and that they're going to do it and they they talk about the best dentist to go to to get caps put on and like they talk about the best kind of freezers for like softer ice or ice with you know that's clear instead of foggy and like they normalized it probably talking to each other to where it became this is right up your alley joe this is like you'd be the president of this club just just good clean fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and ice chewing not the sexiest hobby in the world right no not really i, I don't think anyone sees you <laughs> chewing ice and is like yeah it's not I surfing <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyways point point on. point on yeah well that's that's what you can normalize anything if you come together in a group and you only talk with each other and mm. if you're in a 4chan forum and everybody is normalizing violence and they are normalizing, um, you know, the acts, horrible acts have been committed. It, it becomes almost a competition for who can shock each other the most. And that's where we get um, a term called doomer. So this came from a 4chan board and this term has spread out from there. It's, it's, a, it's a word that kind of gathered its steam. Um, a doomer is a young person who realizes that they're not going to have an education. They're not going to have a meaningful job, like not just in the near future, but any time. Um, and it's somebody who is oftentimes uh, an addict. The original meme that came from slash biz on 4chan, it, it specifically said in there, you know, like, I, I feel like this. And it was a picture of um, a character called Wojak. And it's like, it just shows a- around his head. It's like, here's this list of things that you'll never get in life because the odds are stacked against you. <laughs> Can I, speak to the, bonded, can I speak to yeah. that, Joe? Sure. During September 11th, um, right after it happened, there was in this country there was a huge reflection on everything, right? This tourist, you know, um, tur- not tourist, terrorist. And, yeah. you know, and so I was talking to a pastor of a church who is just, you know, he's, he's like this worldly 
spiritual guy. You know, he kind of knows it all kind of guy. And he's always right. And I asked him about that. I said, well, you know, all these Muslims are radicalized and talking about, you know, the stuff that happens in the Middle East, these suicide bombers. And he said, well, and I go, why don't they just do that here? You know, there's this many of, you know, hundreds of thousands, a million here. Why would, why won't they just go and blow up all our schools and this and that? He says, you got to understand the people that actually do that, what their life situation is, their poverty level, their upside, their downside. There's not any of them here in this country that they're doing well. They have good jobs. They have families, cars. And he said, those aren't the people that are doing it. It's the people that have absolutely no hope. And, yes. and that when you were saying that, that's the first thing that popped into my mind is that conversation from, was it 30 years ago, 20, 20 something years ago? I remember a comedian saying kind of the same thing. He's like, what, you know, no money, no women, no alcohol. I'd be throwing rocks at tanks too, is the way he put it. <laughs> so, um, and that's that you're dead on. The, the, the radicalization in terrorism, uh, the, getting someone to do a horrific act like blowing themselves up and taking a lot of civilians with them, it, it, that is doomer culture. Like, like we, the, the American internet uh, radical teenage version of terrorism is just being a doomer. Um, now, I'm not equating doomers to terror. Doomer basically just means that, you know, like the, the phrase boomer, a, a you know, 50-plus uh, person who is in that age bracket and, and who went through a fabulous economy that had a lot of prospects, that's a boomer. The opposite of that is a doomer. It's somebody who is in their teens right now who realizes that um, because of the way colleges are escalating their costs far more than inflation, they're not going to go to college. They are looking at job prospects and how COVID has crushed jobs and how jobs work. They're not going to have a job. And if they do, it's not going to lead to anything serious in their future. There will never be a pension. There probably won't be a, you know, uh, um, a retirement. Uh, we're losing Social Security eventually. If you look at all of this in perspective, the people who are looking at it like Doomer culture, the people who are in Doomer culture, that's their cornerstone. That's their starting place is realizing they're not going to have anything. I think you're, you're, show, you're showing your age a bit here, Joe. You're showing your age a bit here. I, I, I don't think 16-year-olds think beyond Saturday night. The people who have gone on to do shootings based on the Joker, they they claim a lot of these things. Like, like this isn't me saying I'm speculating about uh, socioeconomic standing, and I'm putting it into more delicate more um, encompassing words. Um, but if you look at Doomer culture and the stuff they share, half of it is, um, you know, we don't have a future. And the other half is looking at everybody else in society and saying, you took it from me. And that's when they start posting radicalized material like this kid did. This, this guy had a, um, a Discord group where they would share violent material, um, Photoshop pictures of them killing people. Um, videos of them talking about killing people. Uh, they shared, you know, gun uh, information, like like gun culture. Uh, they shared um, lots and lots of videos about murder, like live links from, ironically, terrorists doing beheadings and, like, violence overseas and violence from third world countries. So, like, the, I'm, I'm saying that subconsciously and from sort of, like, a younger perspective they may not have the eloquence to say all that I said about, you know, what their prospects are, but the very term doomerism came from younger people on 4chan, putting that into words and putting into a funny little meme. I'll send it to you later, the, the Wojak Doomer meme. 
Well, this thing touches to me. I, I, for about five years, I served in my church as security and, and being a public speaker, the natural thing for me to do at church was to be part of the ministry and do some kind of public speaking talks. But I said, I want to do something totally different. I want to just be something that's, you know, like Joe introvert away from people. So I got into doing serving the church and one of my job was they only took people who were ex-military or law enforcement or, or current law enforcement. And so they trained us. We did training because at, at big churches, there's shootings all the time, right? Just like school shootings. And, and we want to be ready for those. Oh, yeah. And then the big thing that the, the overall theme, what people would say would be, well, if it happens, it happens. You know, God will protect me. But it's like, no, bullshit. We're not going to let somebody come into our church and kill our kids. And our, fuck that. We're going to stand up for ourselves. We're going to get guns. We're going to fight back. So I was all in on that. And um, the reason I bring this up is I learned so much so fast about people, about mental health issues, about places. Oh, that shouldn't happen at church. It happens everywhere. It happens at places that, you know, it happens at schools. It happens everywhere. And um, But what I noticed, they used to have this, this one this one trainer really stood out to me. We had, we had this guy came in, and, and that's what he did. He, we were planning for a, a live shooter at the church and what happens. And so they showed us these videos that they had made, and then they showed us some footage of real live shooting stuff. It traumatized me, Joe. And, you know, I've yeah. been in the military. Um, I think when we talk about video games and, oh, it's Hollywood so violent, it's very different when it's a real life shooting in a corporate. These were all corporate videos we saw of people getting killed at work and stuff. It's so cold and so ugly and so sad. I can't explain it. It isn't like we see the A-team where the bullets and the people jump and everything. It's not like that. It, real death in, in real life is horrible. Working in um, different fields of security for so long, I have seen some of those videos. And You know what I'm talking it, about. It is absolutely chilling. And the thing that they don't show on the news is how much people keep moving after they've been hit. <laughs> that was the thing that has always sort of chilled my blood and stayed with me. Yeah, the way their bodies fall, the way their eyes look, it's horrible. I mean, it's absolutely yeah. horrible. And it, it'll, it'll stain you. It'll scar you. You'll be tattooed in your brain. I mean, it's, and this is somebody's, you know, daughter, husband, brother, whatever. It's like, this is a freaking person. Now they're gone for some fucking bullshit, right? For nothing. Yeah. And it's, it's telling to me that you and I have this strong of a reaction just seeing a couple of videos of this for training purposes. And these are the types of videos that are being shared between these, you know, two-thirds of shooters are under 18. The rest are basically 18 to 21, mostly. Uh, so they're, they're, they're training. They they're desensitizing themselves yeah. to this, right? Yep. They're this getting is exactly calloused. the stuff they are into. And they, you're right. They, they callous themselves. And they radicalize themselves because they it's it's because they don't think they have anything else. And this gives them something like like it gives them a strong emotion, something that disgusts you and I to our core. That's what gives them a thrill once they've sort of callous themselves to it. So let's let's talk about that. Do you think that this sad, sick, this really sad, this really sick thing? Do you think it's a thing about power? Do you think it's do you think in there when they're having these groups and they're talking and they're getting themselves worked up they're they're thinking, well, if you kill 16 people, I'm going to kill 30 or they you know what I mean? The one up ship. Do you think that's what it's going on? Um, I actually read a couple of transcripts, um, not from this shooting, but from um, other 
like collections from 4chan um, and what the uh, NIJ has like basically pointed at. And it's it's worse than what you're thinking. Um, it's oftentimes humorous, like like they are joking about how other shooters could have done better. And they they are like a lot of the chatter is like, you know, hypotheticals and, and what they would do. And, and it's it's glorifying it. Absolutely. And it's it's it. it I, I don't know if if once you get past the part where it turns your stomach, then it's just sort of realizing that they this is a group of people who would bully for no reason they would harm somebody for no reason they are calloused by choice and they are using doomerism as an excuse they are using the fact that they probably don't have a future as an excuse to continue in this and, and to eventually pull the trigger um i think it's very telling that this kid tried to kill himself before he ever picked up a gun to kill other people do you think that's what it is? It's that tap out of, you know, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to, you know. I, I'm not, not going to call it a suicide of sorts, but I, I don't, you know, because we all feel fed up with, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I want to take somebody with me. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I think the most, uh, if I'm going to point toward, media uh and like how to understand this better um i hate to say it but the the movie joker did a pretty damn good job of making it seem almost empathetic or, or at least makes you kind of understand why somebody would do this and there's a damn good reason why so many of these shooters look toward the joker both both heath ledger and the new movie as sort of like touchstones they they talk as much about that and compare as much about that than they do almost anything else um, back in the day, it was Taxi Driver, and now it's Joker. And like, if you want to kind of look at the glamorization of, of doing this, I'm not saying that the um, the person that wrote and directed that movie glamorized, uh, you know, anarchic anarchic murder, um, or that that was his intent. I'm saying that that message has been hijacked, and that m emotion is what they're going for, and it is insane to see that and to see that kind of intersection between almost sociopathic behavior and 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 the the doomerism seeing that intersection and then watching the news not address it whatsoever that the, the same two arguments two or three arguments come out in the news every single time and nobody talks about a group of men that don't have hope that glamorize violence and who want to do this because it will give them a thrill and because they don't have anything else going for them like of joe of all of all the countries yeah. in the world why is America number one in this? I think that you were talking about countries that breeds terrorism. If they had access to the same types of weapons and the same population density as we do, we'd see it in other countries. Um, if, if a civilian in a terrorist country could go to the corner store and buy a AR-15... Um, and had the same motivations and had the same time on the internet as <laughs> as we do, I think we'd see it more often in other countries. That's a great point. They just have the leisure time with, with uh, monetary comfort, right? Yeah. If, if they were literally scraping for meals, it would be, like we talked about before, with having less and then you'd be having less to lose. But overall, 
we get all of our bad ideas when we don't do anything, right? <laughs> right. That's horrible. That makes that makes sense. That's a gun control argument in itself, and it's a, it's a not kind of an obvious one, right? Yeah. It isn't because the people here are worse. People are worse human beings, right? Right. Um, do you – okay, so can we – I would like to ask for you to um, tell us about what happened during the TED Talks. Hmm. Well, we went to the TED Talks. This was probably a, you know, a lifelong dream of me. Joe and I are going to do our own TED Talk one of these days, very soon hopefully. Um, but we've, we've, you know – millions of views we have our favorites we share them with people and so we went to go to portland and we had great seats i mean we were four rows off the off the stage and we we got to read believe it or not these ted talks are they're scripted they read a teleprompter i i didn't know that so it, they're not really speeches they're more like readings but during the ted talk um they did something that was a, a big no-no by ted talk standards they did a little political her name's betsy she's running for uh governor of the state of oregon and they did yeah, an Betsy interview Johnson. with her, she, Betsy Johnson, and they um, they did an interview with her middle of the TED Talk, and this was uh, about a week or so right after the, the, the Houston school shooting. Well, a couple of the people in the audience caught on to it, and they were in the Y. I didn't know who she was. Joe and I are both non-political. If you've heard of our show, um, we're neither red or blue, and we try to be neither or be both or whatever we try to do based on, on uh, our values at the time. Um, but turns out that she's a uh, a gun carrying NRA n- member supporter, funded by them. Right. She's a um, she comes from rural Oregon. She mm-hmm. used to be a Democrat. She is now a independent, running for governor, and she um, she believes in gun rights. Uh, and she and so people in the audience knew that Todd and I didn't really. I I had heard of her, and I knew she used to be a state representative. Um, but I didn't know she was running for governor. And so when the outrage started, I was just watching. Like, it was it was just sort of a, a mind-blowing... Uh, well, okay, you you tell what happened when she started talking. Well, the people started screaming. And it, was, it was a little inaudible, but it was very uncomfortable. It was extremely awkward. It was one of the more awkward <laughs> things. It was like a middle school <laughs> dance is the best way. And Joe was already awkward anyway. So sitting next to Joe is not comfortable for me. And then somebody it was only asked really about, awkward for the one woman who started it. Like for a minute and a half, <laughs> just one voice of one woman who we thought was going to be escorted up by guards. So if people started screaming about guns and stuff. The the, the host he he uh, he uh, scolded the whole crowd. I've never seen a man scold twenty thousand people. I saw it that night. And he said, "We're not going to talk about guns today. We're not. This is not what this is about." And finally, she had to answer because it, the crowd was getting restless. How her stance on guns were. This is a very blue crowd. This is Portland, downtown, TED Talk. I mean, it doesn't get any more blue than that. It, would you say that, Joe, as liberal as it gets? It, it was so strange to think a lynching was going to happen among so many liberal nerds. Like, so many, you can, this, you can this, see uh, gl- let, glasses getting pushed up, noses in the crowd. And if you guys are building a politician, this lady is, she's about an 80-year-old, out of shape. She's, she's probably 100 pounds overweight. She's probably five feet tall so she kind of hobbled out on stage not 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 the picture of health right so this is just, it's just it was very bizarre it was yeah. the whole thing was bizarre and so finally she 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 starts to talk about guns and she says i am a responsible gun owner i collect guns and then the crowd starts Brrr, you know you hear the roar even myself i'm like oh motherfucker right right 
it just seems so inappropriate and it was you can take it from there john <laughs> it it was interesting because she immediately went to um a, a talking point i've heard on news pretty much every time a shooting happens she started talking about how we need to keep a better eye on mental health and have you know better restrictions based around mental health and better access to mental health um but uh, like the crowd and also the host mentioned she didn't have a plan for that like the the people who yeah any anybody who points to that doesn't often say in their next breath and here's how we get the money to pay for that and and let's 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 talk about that for a second you know and I do believe that mental health does need the attention guns don't kill people people kill people I agree with that too but to say in such a very naive way like we could just address mental health like it's a, a you know a, a light switch oh we're just going to you know I mean that's a very big ocean right of right <laughs> the mental health of 200 350 million people Right. Somebody please hit the mental health button under their desk and we can all be done with this. <laughs> so I have one last question for you um, before we kind of like call it for the day, if you're OK with that. Um, first off, with with mental health in mind, the, um, the Fourth of July shooter, um, a lot was known about his mental health. He uh, the the big question that keeps being raised is. He was like he had had his swords and knives revoked like the police had showed up one time during one of the calls about him because he was threatening people and he had a bunch of swords and knives and they took his blades away from him. Um, so we've, we've got multiple instances where he's been had the cops called on him. He has multiple instances where they've known about him. He once tried to commit suicide and they intervened. They took his blades away because he threatened people. If there isn't if there isn't a better poster child for this is exactly what a mental health or a, a red uh, what do you call it a, a red alert in somebody's um, check when they get a gun that this is the thing they're supposed to show up. That's a long question. Are you asking? Is this a question? Is this form of a question? Jeopardy. Is there like like should somebody else, another human, another flawed human, be able to say when you're not allowed to have a weapon? This is the problem I have with this. Um, there's so many false alarms. I have people that I've known through my life, and uh, I'm going to ask you if you have the same, that I would bet my life we're, are going to do terrible things at some time, but they never did. And there's been lots of signs of that. I mean, I, I, I can see law enforcement not knowing, which, you know, there's all these holes in the boat. You put your fingers on all these mental health things. You don't know who's going to jump off. I mean, if you did, you'd be a billionaire. You'd be a billionaire, right? Right. We're, I, I think I get where you're going with this. We are not just asking police to be the judges of someone's mental health. We're asking them to use a crystal ball to tell us, why didn't you know this person would snap? And, and they're not the ones, like I told you, Joe, they're not the ones that you would think. They really aren't. And th these, ones are, these ones are popping up, but a lot of them aren't. A lot of them aren't. Do you think that because almost, I mean, like if we want to narrow our focus, um, I'm just going to sort of put this out there and I, I may be very, very wrong. But if the statistics are that two thirds of shooters are under 18, so many of them are 18 to 21. What if we just had 
like what if we we didn't want to spend money on everyone's mental health we barely want to spend money on like like in in a lot of conservative states we more let people have health if they have jobs i see what you're saying no no you're absolutely right i think we go after these chat rooms forget for, this is this is what i'm going to say those groups need to be aggressively broken up and then if you were to put resources in a certain if you could take a pie like you just told, explained to me and take that age group and we could attack that how many lives could we save just statistically, if you're just a scientist, if you're just a mathematician, it makes sense, right? Right. We are willing to put guards in schools, but if we could just screen for that age, that demographic, those men, I mean, we would be preventing literally hundreds a year so far, even just the ones we know of, we would be able to screen for that at least. And, and if we had a mental health professional that was experienced with youth and doomer culture bonus like like that i think we would be able to fish a lot of trout out with that net agreed and well said says <laughs> says the middle-aged guy podcasting in a closet right now because i moved to texas without preparing properly so <laughs> i just want to put that in context too Hillbilly. it's your own <laughs> I want to send this out to um, the families who lost their loved ones. I, I pray for you to be able to um, get through this. I don't know how you forgive. I'm always impressed by when I see people who are, you know, who, whose family are taken from murders that they can somehow forgive the person. I, I hear they do it for themselves, but I, I don't know how they do it. I think anyone who deals with this situation... I, I have the luxury of being in a closet, literally, and looking at the statistics online. Um, anyone who's dealing with this, they have a stronger heart than I do. And they're going through something I will never really understand. And my heart goes out to them, too. 